everybody, it's Joe Parafarm of the Ladies Working Dog Group. Are you feeling stuck with your gun dog training? Trust me, you're not alone and that's exactly why you need to be here. Every week, we're bringing you the best tips and hacks to make training your gun dog easy peasy. We'll keep it straightforward, no fuss, just actionable guidance that you can put straight to use. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of LWDG Podog. This week, we're going to be talking all about testing times with spaniels but we aren't going to be talking about them being difficult we're going to be talking to lwdg group expert Jen martin all about how she got into working tests with her lovely two dogs so first of all Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself for people who don't know you as a group expert don't know your background tell them about yourself and about your dogs so my name is Gemma Martin. I'm based in Suffolk and run Whistle and Wag Dog Training with my friend Nikki Kenny. Um, I've probably had a different start to the sort of working dog arena than everyone else. I was never involved in sort of shooting or beating as a kid like a lot of people were. Um, I'd always wanted a spaniel and that was sort of from a very young age and finally got one when I was in my 20s. Um, and I was convinced at that point that I was going to do everything I possibly can to have the best trained spaniel that there was. So I was going to do everything that would work with his, <clears throat> excuse me, work with his innate drives and, you know, do things that he was bred to do. So I started doing the gun dog training with him. Um, and from there, I, I sort of got hooked and it all sort of spiraled out of control from there. Unfortunately, when we started doing tests with my first dog, he did create a bit of noise. So unfortunately that was the end of his testing and competition career. Uh, but by then I'd sort of got the, I've always been quite a competitive person anyway. So by then I'd got the bug and was like, right, my next dog, um, we're definitely going to give this a proper go. Um, and we have, so yeah, it, it sort of built and built. Um, and now I've got Luca's puppy at home. So she will grow up and do some testing as well, hopefully. Obviously, look, we've not we've grown through this together, but we've shared quite a lot of the journey over the last sort of what five years now, maybe six years. Um, what is it that what is it about tests that appeals to you and makes you want to compete in them with spaniels? I don't, I don't know. I think I'm weird in the respect that I am quite competitive. Um, I've always liked a bit of competition, um, and competing with an animal is I don't know it's an extra sort of special thing I think from growing up with horses and doing things with the horses it was always really special if you got somewhere and got something out of it um because you know that you'd put all the work in yourself and it was almost someone going yeah you've done really well here you go you've, you've won this or whatever so from that point of view I was always quite interested in it um and actually the the training for it has sort of helped in other areas if that makes sense so it, it's gone alongside it I don't I'm not a person that you know trains my dog solely for tests um, and trials and things like that they are just a, a side thing that I do with my dogs for a bit of fun but yeah no I've, I've, I really enjoy them I know a lot of people get really stressed out about them but um, no I do. I've got to be honest like I've thought about doing those and I think um, I'm a bit like you you're same background with horses and you know I, I didn't think twice about like going into a show jumping class or across country. I would be like, yeah, 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 looking for the next one to go to. And I don't know whether it's because dad trials and I saw the most serious man in the world, like literally, like everything was so obsessive, whether that made me almost 
petrified of tests on one sense or whether I just haven't had any experience in it to know enough about it. What is, you know, what is the working test? So the working test is just sort of an introduction to the competitive Gundog world, really. It's nowhere near as formal as the field trials and things like that. Um, yes, you've got the same sort of eliminating faults and major faults that you'd have in field trials, but they're not going to send you home as soon as your dog makes a noise and go, all right, yeah, get home, which at a trial, if you've travelled miles and miles and miles to get to, that I'm sure that's freaking awful. Um, so, yeah, they're a lot more laid back. They're very much geared to sort of lower level dogs. So even the people with higher level dogs, that's where they'd start their dogs and sort of bring them through. Um, but yeah, they're just, an, I mean, if you find a nice club that's running tests, they're really quite inviting to new people. They want the Gundog world to invite new people and grow because if we don't have all this influx of new blood into the sport, then it is just going to die out. So yeah, I think clubs are finally sort of latching onto that and going, actually, we need to bring new people into this sport and be, you know, encompassing into all of that encouragement and stuff. So yeah. So we're all out there pretty much like every day or every other day or whatever, even if it's like asking for a sit while we make a cup of coffee. We're all doing this like regular training, gendo training. In a test, would somebody be asked more of, as in command-wise, than the commands they're already learning? Um, so your typical test just involves hunting, stop whistle or stop to shot um a marked retrieve and a blind retrieve that's pretty much your simple basic level so if you've got good control of your dog can set it off hunting can send it on retrieves um and it's fairly under control then you're at a level probably that you could get out and do a novice level test so where did you start like because for some people they might probably think okay well how do i train for that where did you start uh, I think I started by watching loads of YouTube videos <laughs> on what I should be doing. Um, then actually through the ladies working dog group, I got in touch and sort of met up with um, Susan Moore, who's now one of my very good friends and she's done trialing and things with her dogs. So she sort of guided me through it, I suppose, and set me on the path to where I can enter, what I need to do and what I should work on. So yeah, finding someone to sort of mentor you, th mentor you through it is um, quite nice. But a lot of the clubs also run training events. So if you can find your local Spaniel club or your local Gundog club, um, you might find that they have training throughout the year as well that can sort of get you ready for it. And it is important, like the LWDG is amazing. It's super, super helpful. It's definitely something that wants to be right top of your, your list of things that you're part of. But it is good and important to be part of the Gundog clubs as well, isn't it? Because Again, it keeps the sport going, but it also gives you access to events that maybe we don't run. Yeah, exactly. And and they rely quite heavily on sort of volunteers to come and throw dummies and steward at events. So that's a really nice way to get in and, and see what a working test is all about. So you can help out and watch and learn. Um, and like I say, most of them are really, really welcome, welcoming to new people. Um, and you can learn a lot from you know, people with a vast amount of knowledge from all sorts of things. So could you share some of your like 
key training insights? Like we all go out and, and do our stuff, but is there things that you do like every day to be test ready? <laughs> I don't know if we're ever test ready. <laughs> um i think the main thing is making sure that you're keeping your dog close the the most important thing for spaniel working tests is that one that your spaniel hunts nicely and one it stays close um and doesn't mess off half a field away while you're trying to do your your little beat so um as a result of that and probably because i need them to stay close when i'm working anyway so it ties in whenever we are out walking they are you know kept fairly close when they're even on free time so that's probably my one thing that I am very, very aware of when I am out with them. So question around like teaching them to hunt. If you've got a working dog and you're out to shoot, you know, and you beat definitely your dog's working, is hunting and pattern. I'll test asking for the same. And I've probably got two questions on this and I'm sure listeners are thinking the same is, how do you teach your dog to hunt an area if there isn't anything in that area? I don't know. I wish I knew, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So, so in a test, they're looking for what they call good treatment of your beat area. So the dog should cover it all from side to side and not miss any areas. Um, they talk about drive and style are two of the points that they look at to award points on. So drive is your dog's sort of eagerness to get in there and get its nose down and find stuff. Um, style, unfortunately, you can't teach. Your dog has either got stylish hunting or it hasn't. You can whiz them up a bit and make them a bit more speedy, but I'm sure you've seen it with your springers, Joe, when their sort of bums overtake their heads and their noses down and they're really sort of looking flashy in their hunting. And that's what you're looking for in, in your hunting for tests. You want them to look pacey. You want them to look driven. You want their nose to be sort of running along the ground, not up in the air, sniffing things. Um, and like I say, staying close and covering that beat in front of you and not missing in any areas. But yeah, there's this like really, um, I suppose the questions people want to know the answers to is like, well, how do I do this? And how do I do this? So for you, how do you sort of like balance the role of like your dog being just um, a working dog? And I don't suggest a working dog in a derogatory way because I know what a working dog needs to be. But how do you manage to take them up that level to be like, well, they are doing everything they should be doing and they're looking awesome doing it? <laughs> um, so for my cockers especially, I whenever I do hunting with them, I will never hunt them without finding something because I think quite quickly, if they're not finding where you're asking them to hunt, and this goes back to your other question a little bit, how do you get them to hunt when there's nothing there? Um, they've got to have that trust in you that they're always going to find something, because otherwise you are going to have a dog that just lifts its head and starts trying to find that scent that's you know much further on. So they always find, whether that's tennis balls or dummies or, or cold game or whatever we're hunting at the time, so that that one <clears throat> that one moment in a test situation where they don't necessarily find anything hunting, it doesn't quash all their drive because, you know, it happens. Sometimes we hunt once and we don't find anything. But 99 percent of the time, mum is usually spot on where we hunt, we find. Um, so it's keeping that drive in the dog and that trust in you as a handler. Some dogs are much better than others. So I generally find that springers are a much better driven dog for the hunting. They will hunt um i've been to, one of my friends used to say they'd hunt a car park whereas a cocker won't hunt if there's no scent so 
Like there, it's different on dog to dog. Some cockers are much more driven than others. Which makes you question, why did you have cockers, not spaniels, Jen? <laughs> um, so, so far, like I know you're quite new into all this as well. Um, what have been like your most memorable moments or, or like your best achievements so far? What are you like really proud of? Um, I think the best achievement is probably what I had with Nuka. Um, they, I don't know whether you know, but when you enter a test, they have to do a draw and you either get a space or you don't. Um, we'd missed out a, a space in the novice. So I'd had to take her in the open. They'd kindly offered me a space and I was like, oh God, she's only a year old. I'm not sure this is going to go very well at all. Um, and it was like the hottest day of the year. So all the dogs were really struggling. We were in this field of I'm not even sure what it was, but it was the thickest cover ever. Um, and she, bless her, she tried a little harder and we were doing um, crossed marks. So the mark for my dog was on the other dog's side. So they were having to cross over and get them. Same with blinds. And they were much further than she'd ever sort of done at that age. <clears throat> but like I say, she tried a little heart out, um, completed everything that she should have done. It wasn't massively flashy. It wasn't massively amazing. Uh, but she got a com for that. So I was really, really chuffed that she'd got a com in an open. Um, and since then, she's got various little bits and pieces. But um, she's on maternity leave this season. So we will get back at it in the new year and hopefully um, have some other things going on. It must be so exciting as you're learning, as you're developing, as you're understanding to know like you've got this new path now to not to work in a different way with, but it's like everything is near. As you learn more, you approach things differently. Oh yeah, definitely. I think every dog is is sort of a, a school day, really. Uh, I've trained Nuka completely different to how I've trained her brother, and I'm sure I'll train the puppy completely different to how I've trained Nuka. So um, I don't think you're ever going to be a perfect handler, and each dog is going to teach you something different because they're not little robots that are all the same. So. It's about adapting your training to fit that dog and finding workarounds, really. What have been like some of your biggest challenges when like going through this? Because like you said, right to the beginning, Red didn't really do what you needed him to do. Was Has that been your biggest challenge or has there been something with Nuka? Um, I think on the whole, Nuka has been fairly straightforward, apart from the fact uh, she was very, very bird obsessed at a young age. So that was a bit of a struggle to start to sort of rein her in and know that she could be doing that hunting and not see a pigeon at 200 yards and go, all right, see you later. Um, so yeah, that, that was a bit of a struggle, but that's sort of under control now. I suppose the whole red making noise thing was just really disappointing because in all other respects he was ace he would stop on shot he would hunt he would do every single retrieve that probably a labrador could do he's got amazing retrieving um but again that wasn't always the case we worked really hard to get his retrieving to where it was he used to spit dummies at five meters and not bring them all the way in and all sorts of other stuff so like i said every dog will throw you a different challenge um but I suppose it's not giving up on that. I mean, yes, I gave up to an extent on the noise because it's not really something I can control. It's not like he was sat there squeaking his head off. They'd be little beep, as he went off hunting or things like that. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, no, it's, it's it's interesting how how you learn to manage different things with different dogs, really. Do you think, like, obviously we're all used to bonding incredibly well with our dogs because we work them and we train them. Did training for tests like 
make that bond even stronger because you're working at a, at a, a slightly higher level again now, aren't you? I think it's transplanting those skills that you use in the field every day and then just putting them in a competition scenario. Um, I think it's probably slightly more pressured at time because I probably get nervous and they get a bit nervous or whatever. But I think the bond is already there from doing all the training, doing all the work out and about um, and things like that. It's just it's a different it's a different kind of thing going out to a test. I can't explain it. With regards like equipment and resources and things that you need, um, do you dress differently? Do you do use different dummies? You know, and I'm sure you're like, Joe, these are mad questions. But like, I want to make sure we really do cover it. Is there anything else you need more than what you're training with anyway? No. So like I say, use your whistle. Uh, generally on a working test, they'll use sort of normal basic one pound dummies that most people have got in their training kits. Um, having a nice area to practice your hunting in. So a nice bit of cover. It doesn't even have to be amazing, just long grass or something that your dog can practice getting its nose down and practice short stints of hunting. Um, training with a friend, because when you do tests, you always hunt up in a pair. So you'll have one judge on one side, one judge on the other side um, and two competitors hunting at the same time and getting your dog steady to other dogs retrieving so that when the other dog on the other side is retrieving, your dog needs to stay in that sit. So little things like that um, that you can practice. But no, you don't really need any special equipment. Um, they do use starter pistols in working tests. So making sure your dog is happy with shot um, and teaching them to eventually stop to that shot as well. But no, I think I th anyone can have a go at it. And like I say, I think if you're thinking about it, get in touch with one of your clubs, local clubs, and just see if you can go along and have a look at what they do. Is there anything you do to mentally or like physically prepare? Is it more demanding than a normal like training session? I think it's more anxiety inducing when you're waiting to go in. But no, I try to look at every test I go to as just a training day because um, you're in a new environment that you can practice hunting with your dog. Uh, you can practice some lovely retrieves that the lovely helpers of stewards are putting out for you. Um, so just sort of have fun and don't put too much pressure on yourself because as soon as you do that, that's generally where it starts to go wrong because the dog wonders why you're a bit more acky than usual. And what about sort of like the community aspect of gun dog training? Are people in tests like lovely do you are you meeting loads of people or is it like i'm competing against you i'm not talking to you uh, i think that varies from club to club we're really lucky with our local club that everyone's really really friendly um half the time the gallery are getting shouted at because they're being too loud and chatting so <laughs> um yeah no I, it does vary and i think if you start chatting to your clubs and maybe going along and meeting some people you'll be able to get a feel of of what the clubs are like but on the whole most clubs that run sort of tests are generally quite welcoming and kind and you know they'll they'll be ready to support you getting involved so if somebody's sitting and listening to this now and they're like okay i'm gonna have a go at it you've sort of given them the really good top tip of like find your gun dog club and and get involved in that do you have any other sort of Top tips. Is it stuff they could be watching on our masterclasses or is it things they could be doing that would really help them get it right? Um, so I think my top tip would be not to practice the test environment too much, which is what I mean by hunting your dog up, shot goes off, your dog sits, you throw a dummy out. 
because what you can create is a dog that's test wise. So as soon as you're in that environment, they'll be hunting up and almost looking at the dummy thrower, but instead of hunting and getting their noses down. So it's not something I would practice as a scenario a lot because dogs just get wise and then they don't hunt. So practice all the little bits separately and they will all slot together. <clears throat> Sorry. When you come into your test day. Um, as far as separate elements, a nice retrieve, um, so a nice marked retrieve with your dog so they can go out and straight back to your hand. Um, practice your blind retrieves. For spaniels, luckily at novice level, they're really not that long and they generally do them to a white post that they stick in the, the ground. Again, don't get your dog too locked on to just doing it to a post because if one day they don't do it with a post, um, your dog might struggle. The stop whistle and stop into shot um, and steadiness around other dogs doing stuff. So once your dog has stopped, can it remain there while another dog goes past and gets another retrieve? Um, but I think other than that, just keeping your dog nice and close, doing some fun short bursts of hunting so you keep that drive up and it's finding stuff. Um, yeah, and there's, there's not a lot else to it, really. It's really basic compared to the Labrador tests, and that sounds probably quite harsh, but... <laughs> are we going to expect our spaniels to have good heel work off lead no you don't have to do heel work in a spaniel test um you keep your lead on until you go up to the judge all you need is that when you take your lead off that your spaniel doesn't do a bunk so once your lead is off in a working test you are what's called under the judge so they are marking you from that point so once that lead comes off, you want your spaniel to stay nice and close and then you set it off hunting. Um, did you want to go through some sort of eliminating faults and major faults that would happen? Absolutely. I'm sure our listeners would love to. <laughs> um, so the eliminating faults and major faults are the same as that you'd find in a field trial. So they're a good thing to work towards. Um, so sending your dog before the judge tells you to, that would be an eliminating fault. So you would lose all your marks. And it's something that I think probably everyone that's done a working test at some point has done because you get nervous and you see a retrieve go out and you go, oh, go get it. Hard mouth. So the judges will look at the dummy when you hand it back to them. And if there's great big holes in it, that would be an eliminating factor as well. Because obviously if that was a bird, it wouldn't be a very well bird. Like I've said with red, squeaking, whining, barking, any noise that your dog makes would be an eliminating factor. And that is down as far as having your dog yawn and go and make any noise. Any running in or chasing that dogs do of dummies or, or birds that might fly up when you're hunting, that would be an elimination. Uh, sometimes there's a water test on working tests. So any failure to enter the water and get any retrieves would be an elimination. Any refusal to retrieve would be an elimination. If your dog is out of control, that's elimination. So basically if your dog's gone up a beat and you've screamed for it to come back and it's gone, yeah, not yet, I'm not coming. So they're all eliminating factors. They would, they would cause you to lose all your marks. Like I said, it's not like a trial where they would send you home, but you wouldn't come anywhere. Major faults. So these may result in your dog being eliminated, but generally they just lose you lots of marks in a test. Um, and that is if your dog stops to go to the loo while it's hunting or working, catching healthy game. So if they peg any birds that happen to be there while you're hunting, noisy handling. So if you're there sort of screaming at the top of your voice for your spaniel to get back or you're blowing your whistle like it's a trumpet, 
they don't like that either. Not making good of the ground. So if they're not covering the, the ground well, if they're just sort of tootling around at your feet or they're taking a beeline straight ahead, that will lose you marks, not stopping to your stop whistle or shot and failing to find dummies or, or retrieves and things that would also lose you marks. So yeah, there's there's loads of places to lose marks, <laughs> um, but it's not thinking about those bits too much. So have you taught uh, your dogs to stop to shot or blow them to stop them straight after the shot? Uh, so initially, yes, it is pairing that stop whistle to the shot. Mine, well, Nuka seems to be quite contextually aware. So on a shoot, she won't stop to every single gun that goes off, which is handy because I need her to carry on hunting. But in a test scenario, if she hears that start official, she will stop to that and wait. So... I think dogs are clever enough to sort of start to distinguish the two in that respect. Fabulous. And so what's the future for you, Gem? Is it a case of like, I'm just going to compete and keep doing like working tests, I love it. Or are you like, well, actually one day I'd like to trial. What are your thoughts around it all? I'd like to get Nuka to a trial at some point. I mean, people will probably tell me that she's getting on a bit to do her first trial now, but... I don't really care. I, I mean, I won't be travelling to one that's a million miles away. But yeah, I'm. I my aim is to get her in a local sort of trial and see what happens. Finally, our closing thoughts were: Is there anything that, like, if listeners are listening and they're thinking, "Oh, can I contact Gem and ask her a question?" How do people get hold of you? So they can either go to our website, which is www.whistlandwag.dog, or they can find me on the LWGG Facebook page as Gemma Martin. Or they can ask you where to find me, and I'm sure that you'll forward messages on to me. Thank you so much for answering the questions. Um, I'm, I have genuinely learned lots, and you have actually helped me calm my fears about it. Because listening to you, I'm thinking, okay, that would need polishing up, but that is actually okay with my dogs, etc. So maybe it's just a case of putting on my big girl pants and 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 go in and have it and go next year members of our group will get access to um a very unique uh competition which will be for our members only where you won't run against other dogs you'll run against yourself so that'll be coming out in 2024 and it's going to be great for people who've got dogs or maybe are not good around other dogs um and also good for dogs that um maybe like red the squeak etc that won't be a markdown fog. The idea of this will be for you to enjoy competing, doing stuff very, very similar to a working test, but maybe not having so many uh, out elimination reasons. That's right, isn't it, Gem? Yeah, not so many eliminating faults. But it might be a great place to start building your confidence um, ready before you go in a working test, because you still will be in a test of some sort. If you have enjoyed this, please let us know, please share, please like, and please send us messages. We love to know what you thought of our podcast. Um, if there's any sort of topics you'd like us to cover in 2024, please let us know. Um, thank you very much for your time, Jen. We do massively appreciate it. And we shall see you all next week. That's it for today's episode. A massive thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to head over to the LWDG and sign up for our membership. Get access to expert-led training, a wonderfully supportive community, and the resources you need to become a confident and skilled gun dog trainer. Let's take this journey together, because no woman should have to train her gun dog alone. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.